This is episode 286 of the e-commerce coffee break podcast. This time I'm joined by Omar Hassa, general partner of atlasventures.co, and we discuss how to actually use your data to make effective business decisions that bring you return on investment. So let's dive right into it. This is the e-commerce coffee break. A top-rated Shopify growth podcast dedicated to Shopify merchants and business owners looking to grow their online stores. Learn how to survive in the fast-changing e-commerce world with your host, Klaus Lauter, and get marketing advice you can't find on Google. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the e-commerce Coffee Break podcast. Today, we want to find out how you can improve your margins substantially by using customer data effectively. Now, data is coming from all sides in your business but really going into it and finding out what works. And then with that coming to a point where you actually can make more money, that is not that easy. So with me to talk about this topic, I have Omar Heiser. He's the general partner of Atlas Ventures and Studios at atlasventures.co. They are a complete e-commerce solutions architect, providing cutting edge e-commerce solutions to ambitious brands globally. Previously to Atlas Ventures, Omar held senior roles in enterprise e-commerce, working with global brands such as Steel, Anytime Fitness, Timberland, Birkenstock, and Asics. So we have a lot to cover. Let's welcome Omar to the show. Hi, Omar. How are you today? Hi, Klaus. Good, good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on board as well. Omar, let's dive right into it. Data is a big topic. And as I said, it's coming from all apps that you're using. It's coming from the Shopify platform. It's coming from literally every direction. Lots of merchants have problems with really finding out what they can use. They're just overwhelmed with all the data. Um, but it's so important to do the right steps by analyzing it to really increase your profit margins. What got you into this topic and what do you see is the biggest issue that merchants have? Initially, why we started looking into data more and more was we saw across the board, no matter the size of the business we're working with, you know, from, from startups to mid-market to enterprise, uh, data wasn't being utilized correctly and wasn't being utilized to its full extent. And that's where we decided, okay, there's actually a lot of opportunities here, not just from a purely paid acquisition um, agency or, or, or email agency. And look, how do we actually utilize data effectively for these for these clients? So that got us looking into it more and more. And um, previously, um, also in my previous role, there are a lot of work in, in the data space. So it was really exciting, especially what you could do in it. So decided to continue that onwards. So I guess when it comes to data, like you said, you get that from all sorts of channels. You're getting that first-party data from Shopify. You're getting it uh, from Meta directly. You're getting it from Google Ads if you're running Google Ads. And and obviously, you can then analyze all of this in Google Analytics. We've seen some clients then pipe all of that into, uh, well, now it's called Lucas Studio, but it was Google Data Studio, as most people kind of remember it as. And there's real levels to how you can start to look at your data and aggregate it. You know, we've really seen the rise of people using Triple Whale to analyze their paid acquisition and, and the effectiveness of that. Where we like to play is in the Clavio space. I think Clavio itself offers a lot of great data and segmentation that you can use not from your data that are simply available in Clavio, but from people coming in from Shopify and being able to import um, CSVs from your Meta, from your Google, etc. So we really started playing around with Clavio, and from there it took us into a whole whole kind of journey in terms of how you can manipulate that data and use it effectively. Yeah, Clavio is probably by far the best 
tool for email marketing for Shopify. Shopify has invested in Klaviyo, so it's part of the Shopify family. Uh, but they were right there from the beginning when Shopify started. Klaviyo came shortly after, and they have a very close knit connection to the system. But as you said, there is other data sources out there. How do you get all these other data sources into Klaviyo, and how do you build up the right segmentation with that? Recently, and I think this is part of Clavio, but not just Clavio, but a lot of these Shopify ecosystem apps and businesses trying to expand and get market share, right? So you'll see uh, businesses like Yotpo uh, start to offer email automation now as well, or you start to see loyalty programs offering SMS automation and all these different things. So everyone's trying to gain market share. And I suppose Clavio's way of doing that is launching their CDP, their custom data platform uh, solution. I believe this was earlier last year now in 2023, and there's been a game changer, I think, especially for smaller and mid-market brands wanting to use CDPs effectively. When we look at brands typically that would use CDPs, you know, you, they typically sit at an enterprise level. Uh, a lot of CDPs are cumbersome, they're expensive, and e-commerce teams kind of dreaded integrating and implementing them. And I think what Clavio came out with is, is super easy to use uh, tool. And and so we are big fans of using Clavio's own CDP platform with with the types of projects that we're doing, piping all sorts of data from all sorts of different areas. And to visualize this, because I think when we're talking about CDP, it can get lost in, in translation as to what it actually means and what you can use it for. So I'll give you a use case. Uh, for one of our clients, they're a sports team, right? And they've got obviously many different channels where they're re receiving customer data. They've got their ticket sales, through Ticketmaster. They have their pause systems where they're getting uh, people coming in and buying, let's say, a hot dog when they're at a game, right? Or, or a drink. And uh, they also have their merchandise store through Shopify. So you've got three different areas where that data is getting captured. But that, that data is fragmented. Some of that is sitting with Ticketmaster. Some of that is sitting with Shopify. Some of that is sitting with their pause systems, right? They're not actually utilizing it at all. So one project that we took with them is consolidating all of that into Clavio's own CDP, right? Integrating, which definitely wasn't a um, wasn't a quick or easy project, but the value is immense here, right? Because you can start to get a full picture of, let's say, course going to a sports game. And while you're there, maybe before the game, you bought a singlet, right, for your, of your favorite team. Then when you were there, you during the break, you went in and got a hot dog and, and, a, and a can of Coke. Uh, then from there, you, went, you finished the game, you left. And that was your first ever ticket, right? So first ever game as well. So now we've got this full profile on you of everything you've done throughout that journey. And moving forward, we can start to create segments, right, of people who have come to games, but they have never purchased anything at the concession stand. Or people who have bought merchandise before, but have never come to a game. Right, And by creating these important segments, you can start to really target them effectively. You can pipe that, you can export that data out, you can put it into your Facebook ads, your meta ads, and, and use immediate retargeting there. You can create lookalike audiences of that um, through email, through Clavio. You can start to email people and push SMS campaigns during the games. And an example, again, a use case was, um, you know, this, this team that wants to talk about uh, they wanted to advertise, let's say, 50% off on, on, their, um, on their concession stand stuff or during half-time. 
But they, they weren't sure, well, if you're a vegetarian, you're not going to want to buy a hot dog or a burger, right? You, you're, it's just not useful to send you a text on that offer. So all they did was just use that Clavio CDP data of that segment of people who have come to games before, who we know have bought meat products, right? And then that segment received a text during the game saying, hey, 25% off, come and, come and buy it. This way, now, could you have just blasted everyone that text? Yes. But would you have gotten worse UX because people go, well, this is not even useful for me, right? And, and similarly, uh, upgraded seats to people who are coming to nearly every single one of your games, right? A surprise and delight where you can email them and say, we've seen that you've come to more than 10 of our games. So as a result, we'd like to reward you by upgrading your seats to courtside tickets, for example, right? And, and you're not eating into your margin because you can just give away your courtside tickets that didn't sell. Right. And, and you can really start to do some really interesting things. And hopefully that use case and case study give you a bit of an idea of why having that full picture, how you can actually start to utilize it, especially if you've got different channels to gather that information, pause, retail, online, et cetera. Absolutely. I think you gave a really good example there because a lot of businesses have retail outlets, have online presence and in the past, we were always talking about segmentation and getting data, but it also was focused mainly of online. Now, with this example that you just gave now, um, it just gives the bigger picture. Um, a lot of brick and mortar stores trying to go into online and they have scattered data from other external systems. Now, I'm interested in, in finding out, you touched on these different systems. Is there any kind of API or how do you source the data into Clavio? How does the implementation process work there? Yeah, absolutely. So the API connections, Kyber's own team are very, very good at working together with you on implementing these things. I think given that it's a new offering that they have, they really want to help you implement these things. So working alongside their team, working alongside developers, and typically, even if you're an e-commerce manager at, at a brand, uh, partnering with an agency that has the dev resource, I think is, is often needed. These projects can take a while. They require multiple different touch points from various project managers, various developers, and then various just because the nature of the data is that it's scattered, you really need to find every single point of where to get that data and push it. So your API endpoints and, and pushing it from there. Now, more detailed dev explanation, my developers probably will be able to give that better than, than myself. Hey, Klaus here, just a quick one. If you like the content of this episode, subscribe to the weekly newsletter at newsletter.ecommercecoffeebreak.com. I score and curate 50 news sources so you don't have to, saving you hours of research. Grow your revenue with e-commerce news, marketing strategies, tools, podcast interviews, and more, all in a quick three-minute read. So head over to newsletter.ecommercecoffeebreak.com to subscribe, as said, 100% free. Also, you'll find the link in the show notes. And now back to the show. If you're running an omni-channel business, um, you might have not only one platform for marketing purposes, or so Klaviyo is one. Are there other platforms that you're using that you're integrating? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we're big fans of Recharge, you know, for for subscriptions. Uh, big fan of Bundler for bundling uh, as well. And that, and I'm sure some of the listeners now might have winced at the idea of, of subscriptions and bundling and custom bundling, right? Because it's a notoriously difficult tech challenge to implement subscriptions alongside custom bundles. And Shopify launched their own bundling, 
but that's not a true custom bundling solution. So uh, if you're looking for a true custom bundling solution where people can pick and choose products from from your uh, available SKUs and and add them in and then subscribe, uh, it comes with a lot of uh, technical challenges. That being said, though, those are two apps that we love working with. Not necessarily the apps, but the platform and the systems themselves, right? When it comes to the subscriptions and, and bundling, we really see a lot of use cases there with people using them, right? And for us, being able to integrate them into Clavio directly, so being able to get that data over of who's subscribed, who's not subscribed, uh, and, and kind of push that data segment further and then do some really great um, AOV increases, LTV increases uh, through automation and campaigns. Uh, other, than, other than that, I think Walter Programs always are great to work with, especially with their integrations with Clavio. Um, you can really start to do amazing things, create specific flows for people who are in your Walter Program, and based on their tiers, you can start to reward them specifically and do some real cool things. So loyalty, uh, bundling, subscriptions, we love working with all those. I think that's really where a lot of the value is also added into your Clavio ecosystem and into your online ecosystem as well. Further to that point, I don't think it's purely online. You can go take it a step further and go and start to look at how does this interact with your retail stores, right? If you've got retail stores and uh, if you've got an omni-channel loyalty program, which again is a, is a technical challenge in and of itself, but if it's done right, uh, obviously, people are earning points when they're at your retail stores. They're earning points when they're shopping online with you and this all house in the customer account. You can start to utilize this information and push it um, through Clavio with the campaigns and, and, and specific segments. So um, we are big fans of making sure everything is omnichannel when possible because that's when I think a lot of these retailers are really getting that next step. And a lot of the time, they're not taking that next step because of the technical challenges that come with it, uh, because of the cumbersome projects uh, that might take six, eight, 12 months to implement. But what we've seen is, if, especially if you're a retailer that has a retail presence and an online store, and you're turning over probably around over 5 million a year, it will add a lot of benefits, a lot of improvements to end systems. Now, if you're a smaller retailer than that, probably not worth taking on these big projects. You know, I think there's a lot of other things, a lot of lower hanging fruit that you can take on that that makes better sense. Yeah, you already answered a couple of questions that I had. So obviously the timeline, you said it can be three months, six months, 12 months, depending on the complexity of the project. Still, I have the answer is like, what's the approach and looking into this? So basically, what's the customer journey, your customer working with you to get this all set up? Where do you start there? Absolutely. It all starts with a very intricate scoping process, right? The customer, the client won't know what they're getting into. We will not know what we're getting into unless there's a very good uh, scoping process. And I think I can speak on behalf of everyone who has led um, projects with numerous stakeholders where if you don't scope it well, you're just setting yourself up for failure. There'll be scope creep. There'll be budgets that blow out. There'll be a whole set of nasties. So massive scoping process typically, again, depending on the complexities, can take months, can take up to two months, let's say. I think the longest we've had was about two and a half months. So big scoping, bringing on all the different stakeholders who will be working on this bringing on internal dev teams uh, from the client side, bringing on internal uh, project managers, assigning someone to lead this from the client side, and and also bringing an R team and really understanding what are all their systems? 
where is this data housed? How can we actually use it, if at all? Because sometimes uh, systems uh, might be closed off, so we can't actually access it with, with API endpoints. So do we look at a pre-project of actually migrating that data first? Are they maybe using legacy systems that have to be updated first? Are they um, on, on, let's say, a Shopify, but realistically they should be on a Shopify Plus because that's going to actually save them money down the track with everything else that we're adding on top? So it's really understanding their stack. After that, uh, we start to kind of create a project timeline and, and take it step by step. Initially, it's understanding the data, looking into it, piping it into our internal systems, and then um, and then just going from there. There really is a, a long process, and it's different for every different, every client depending on what their stacks are. Sometimes it's super easy to work with. Sometimes it's it's, it's challenging to work with, and then we've never done it, and then we have to go and figure it out. So. Uh, but I love that. I love that. There's every client, every project is different, right? And it comes. You're never doing the same thing twice. And then seeing the seeing the end result always makes it worth it. Yeah, I think if you're working in project management, you need to be up for a challenge uh, because that's part of your daily job. I want to talk a little bit about data breaches, privacy concerns. Obviously, that's in everyone's mind now if you're working with complex systems and different systems connecting with each other. How do you ensure that the privacy and the security of the app that the data is connected with? How does that work? For sure. So obviously, there's different requirements based on where you are geographically as well. Uh, Europe, GDPR, uh, New Zealand, Australia, US, uh, Canada. You know, Everyone has their own set of rules or regulations. So how we typically tackle it is we understand what that, how that, that data is first housed then, and then we take the appropriate measures based on that. Uh, typically, a lot of the data sits with those third parties anyway. You know, once we pipe it over into Clavio CPP, for example, it sits with Clavio, so they ensure that on behalf of the client. Uh, during the transition period, during during the time when we have access to the data, obviously we have internal measures to protect that data, making sure that there are no leaks and and and, and the likes. So um, there's a very good point that I should touch on there, uh, but that's part of our initial clauses, our initial agreements that all of that is kind of checked off and all of that is uh, in safe hands. Okay, that well, makes perfect sense. Now, you already talked a little bit about um, the, the size of a project. Who's your perfect customers? Are there specific industries or niches that you work with? Um, you, you gave the example, which I found very surprising that um, you can do this in, in this kind of industry. But are you seeing more results or better results in specific industries than others? Typically, when we're talking about an e-commerce client, any sort of high AOV products perform well, any sort of repeatability performs well. Uh, for example, now does this mean that if you're selling furniture, it won't work as well for you? Probably. But does it mean it won't work for you at all? Probably not. You know, you will still get incremental improvements, but your best bet is when you're selling, let's say, something that people can come back and, uh, and buy again, where uh, you want to stay top of mind. Uh, whereas let's say furniture, you know, I might buy it once and I might maybe have to buy it again in five years time, right? So, but that don't really need to have as many touch points. You don't have to segment as much and, and go down that path. I get, uh, to give you an example, one of our clients, they actually market themselves as Patagonia, but for dogs, right? So they sell uh, winter coats and garments for dogs, high performance, Right for people who like to go on hikes with their dogs in cold environments up the mountains, um, and for them, they actually hand make each one of these garments for each specific breed. 
right? Because no breed is going to be the same. Even a Labrador, uh, I don't know, Labrador is not the same uh, shape and size as a Golden Retriever, although they're very, very close. So uh, that's a great use case there where for us it made complete sense to go and segment for them, right? We segmented based on each individual breed of people who have purchased uh, products for a specific breed, uh, piping through uh, preference data, right? So just asking your customers or at a post-purchase level or at a, at a welcome series, welcome flow level, uh, hey, give us more information about your dog so we can serve you better. Right, we got quite a high success rate with that. I think often people love to tell you about, especially in this industry, you know, with pets. Like people love talking about their pets. So I think there was about a fifty-seven percent opt-in rate in terms of giving that data. Right, so more than half the people were telling us what breed dog they had. Great first-party data. We can use that to create those segments, and now we can email customers specifically for that breed of dog they have, and and promotions and offers. That, that are only specific to those breeds of dogs. And again, this is something that you probably buy every every other uh, season, but also you might buy a coat this season, but a raincoat for, for the autumn season and, and a, a sun protection, um, I think, uh, sun protection coat. I don't know what exactly the product was uh, for, for summer season, right? So there's constantly things that you can, you can buy. And for that, that's a great use case where with this advanced segmentation and, and analyzing that data makes sense. Yeah, that's an awesome example. I'm a dog person. I had a Rhodesian Ridgeback and I spent far too much money on, on him. Um, it was well spent, but um, I can relate to that. And it shows you the the power of data because I mean, everyone has a different dog size, different style, whatsoever. And now you can really start segmenting it down to the point to touch on the on the right person with the right product, and that obviously will increase your margins. Let me ask you: You have the, the finger on the pulse of e-commerce. Do you see any kind of emerging trends um, right now in the online retail space beside of AI? AI is the talk of the town right now. <laughs> I think a lot of people are talking and they're looking at how they're using AI. Now, apart from that, is a good question. I think we're seeing uh, a lot of marketplaces being used a lot more. Uh, obviously, globally, uh, you're getting Amazon is always a dominant player. So Amazon, I think, is doubling down on their uh, on their platform and how people are advertising on that. We're seeing that with our US clients. You know, a lot of the time, it's, it's very funny seeing the split depending on where you are in the world, right? In New Zealand, we don't even have Amazon, for example. So in New Zealand, a lot of brands are, are pushing their own DTC channels through Shopify. Uh, whereas if you're in the US and you're making any sort of sizable revenue, uh, you are in Amazon. There really is no way around it, right? And then we're starting to see actually other marketplaces emerge uh, with, with more affordable, I guess, if you want to be... Um, um, if you want to be nicer and kinder, but you know the emergence of emergence of Timu, Sheen, uh, all these marketplaces that bring in uh, a lot of these lower cost uh, items to kind of the masses, and so you're starting to see how people are actually interacting with that. I've seen, I remember seeing a great article actually talking about you know, the different marketplaces and how everyone's trying to compete and 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 place themselves there. So. I think marketplaces are going to be an interesting play and in how people utilize it. Uh, TikTok shop, uh, probably is actually old news by now, but it's still still relatively new with a lot of people running ads on TikTok shop and TikTok itself pushing TikTok shop. So a lot of advertisers are getting their best raw asses on TikTok shop right now. So if you're not really on TikTok shop, definitely look into it. 
similarly to when Instagram Reels first came out. You had some great metrics there because Instagram Meta itself was were pushing it. So right now that that seems to be sitting with TikTok shop. Uh, we're probably on the tail end of it because a lot of people are starting to use it and see great success. So if you're not on it, definitely check it out. That's probably an immediate thing people can utilize. But really everything else I'm seeing is an AI. A lot of people are utilizing AI for content, for for campaign structure planning. And I mean, I'm sure you've had guests that, that have talked about this as well. So uh, it's really interesting to see how that landscape is changing and how us as solution providers have to adapt to this. Yeah, AI definitely already part of the day-to-day business of marketers or store managers. Um, but good point there, have an eye on marketplaces. I think there will be specifically coming in the next couple of months, a lot of movement in there. Before we come to the end of our coffee break today, is there anything that you want to share with our listeners that we haven't covered yet? What I really wanted to talk about here was the importance of not just Clavia. I know we're talking about Clavia in this instance, but really utilizing your data. I don't think I've seen any client from any shape of size, uh, you know, from from new startups to, to enterprise clients that have just done an amazing job on data, that have all their bases covered, right? And obviously, it's easier said than done as an external party looking at it and going, well, you're not doing this and this because of the challenges and the complexities of introducing these systems. But don't wait because when you actually start to utilize this data and you actually start to manipulate it and provide your customers a better solution and a better service, uh, the results really speak for themselves, right? Margins are going up massively. And I think especially given in the climate we're in now, the shift is away from revenue at all costs, right? The shift now is towards profitability. So how do you ensure profitability? Uh, your better ads are, are not performing as well, you know, or they have been on a decline. Uh, pick up shop, uh, that's good, holding, uh, holding the torch there, so that's good. But, uh, you know, content, now you've got the stream of content coming out that people are producing through UGC and AI. So how do you actually make sure that your margins stay and you get, you're getting increased competition, macro conditions with interest rates? And I think really where you can uh, do that is through your data, especially if you're a larger brand. And by larger, you don't have to be a $100 million brand, right? If you're... Uh, that's typically what we've seen is if you're about 5 million or more per year, uh, you can really unlock a lot of extra margin. So really my, my I guess, closing remarks would be don't hold off on, on making sure you're using your data correctly. I promise you it'll be worth it. Yeah, I think it's also good to have a fresh set of eyes on your business. Um, you might just get trapped in all the data that you have and um, just repeat what you have done a year ago. And that probably is not working anymore because it's always dynamic. It's moving very fast. And as you said, Facebook ads, it's old news. It's not really making any money. Some might, but it's tough. Um, and looking into TikTok, definitely the right step to do. Where can people find out more about you guys? Yeah, absolutely. They can find more about us on atlasventures.co. They can find me on LinkedIn under Omar Hazer, uh, Omar with an E, and we're always open to chats. Please reach out if you just want to discuss and give us a challenge. Tell us how complex and, and crazy your systems are, and, and we'd love to just have a chat. If we can't help you, we might be able to refer you to someone you can. So, And if we can, we'd love to just walk and understand what your systems are, what, what the complexities are lying, and what you can do to actually improve them. So find us, reach out to me. If you're in New Zealand, by any chance, let me know and then we'll go grab a coffee as well. 
<laughs> I will put the links in the show notes as always, Omar. Unfortunately, I'm not in New Zealand right now, but maybe I will pop in at some point. Thanks so much for giving us a really good overview of what's happening there and how you can increase your margins and how you can use data to just do a better job in your business. Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Klaus. Hey, Klaus here. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the e-commerce Coffee Break podcast. Before you go, I'd like to ask two things from you. First, please help me with the algorithm so I can bring more impactful guests on the show. It will make it also easier for others to discover the podcast. Simply like, comment and subscribe in the app you're using to listen to the podcast. And even better, if you could leave a rating. Thanks again, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Have a good one.